and welcome to the EFL preview with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. Now, although tonight is technically the EFL preview, it's sort of a half and half episode. That is, of course, because the EFL playoffs have been spread out across the entirety of this week. So tonight, you will have three reviews and three previews to look across all three divisions of all the matches that have taken place, which are all eventually leading to Wembley. As always, you can expect the same level of insight, analysis and interviews that you come to expect every single week. We'll start off as we always do and we'll look straight at the championship. Now going into this one, of course, we'll start uh, knowing that Sunderland were 2-1 ahead against Luton Town. However, that match finished Luton Town 2, Sunderland 0, aggregate 3-2 to Luton. Luton Town are one win away from returning to the top flight of English football for the first time since 1992, after overturning a first-leg deficit to beat Sunderland and reach the Championship playoff final. Trailing 2-1 following Saturday's game at the Stadium of Light, the Hatters turned their aerial threat into tangible reward as centre-backs Gabriel Osho and Tom Lockyer scored before the break. Roared on by a raucous home crowd inside their compact 118-year-old Kenilworth Road home, Luton should have made it three when keeper Anthony Patterson misdirected a clearance and Jordan Clark blazed wastefully over. Sunderland stuck to their passing principles, but only the serious save homekeeper Ethan Horvath had to make throughout was from the head of his own player, Elijah Adebayo, when the score was 1-0. Luton will now face Middlesbrough or Coventry City, who of course played their second leg on Wednesday, with their tie level at 0-0 at Wembley on the 27th of May, with a place in the Premier League at stake. The two managers named the same 11s which started the first leg, and Sunderland had reasons for optimism following a 10-match unbeaten run, and the knowledge that only champions Burnley had prevented them scoring in a league game since November. Looking for back-to-back promotions after coming up from League One via the playoffs last term, they had two penalty appeals turned down inside the first 12 minutes, with the referee ruling that Ahmed Diallo had run into marvellous Nikamba before tumbling to the ground and Amari Bell's handball was unintentional. In between, though, they fell behind when Lockyer won a header from a corner and the ball fell to the former glover Gabriel Osho to turn it home for his third goal of the season. Although the Wearsiders showed some nice passes and movement when they were encroached into Luton's half, they were in trouble virtually every time a high ball came onto their box. Trey Hume cleared a Carlton Morris effort off the line from Alfie Doherty's cross, but the ball rebounded towards, back towards the goal off Pierre Equa, and Luke O'Neill had to hack it away to prevent an own goal. Morris went close again with a header from Clark's free kick, which keeper Patterson pushed away at full strength, but that was powerless seconds later as Adebayo returned the ball into the box and Lockyer glanced it inches wide. The pressure was relentless, and after his initial corner was played back to him two minutes in before half-time, Doherty produced an inviting in-swinging cross, which Lockyer met with an unbeatable header. Luton finished 11 points clear of Sunderland in the regular season and Doherty's dead ball deliveries continue to cause panic in the Black Cats' defence and Adebayo should have done better when he headed a corner over from five yards. The home support included ex-England cricket captain Sir Alistair Cook and former Luton manager David Pleat who led them to the second tier title in 1982 and is hoping to see current head coach Rob Edwards add another promotion to his success with Forest Green in League 2 only a year ago. With the tie slipping away, Sunderland pressed forward and Patrick Roberts dragged a shot wide before attempting a left-footed curler as he cut in from the right again off target. 
Tony Mowbray was a member of Ipswich's winning Championship playoff final team in 2000, but the Sunderland boss, who could only watch as his side struggled in vain to breach a committed Luton defence. Patterson was sent into the Luton box for a corner in added time, but was stranded upfield as Luton broke away. But instead of squaring for an easy tap-in, Cody Dramer put his side-foot effort into the side netting. It did not matter, however, as the Hatters kept the door shut to secure a trip to the National Stadium, having lost to Huddersfield at the semi-final stage of the playoffs 12 months ago. Of course, for Luton, this is really quite a fairy tale story. Victory at Wembley could cap a remarkable change in fortunes for a club that dropped out of the EFL in 2009 and only reclaimed their place five years later. They took the next two steps, of course, under Yeovil Town legend Nathan Jones, achieving back-to-back promotions in 2018 and 2019 before he moved on to Stoke City, was rubbish and came back 16 months later to help secure their championship status and then guided them to the playoffs by finishing sixth last season. After strengthening the squad with signings such as top scorer Morris, they looked well-placed to match that run and had to make a change of manager mid-season, of course, when Jones was appointed by Southampton for all of 20 minutes. And Rob Edwards was brought in as his replacement, having begun the campaign with home county's rivals Watford. It did not halt their momentum, of course, and a 14-game unbeaten run secured third place in the table and a home second leg in the playoffs. Uh, An advantage Edwards' side made count. So... I think a back-to-back interview seems most appropriate here. First, we will listen to Luton Town boss Rob Edwards, followed by Tony Mowbray. Rob, congratulations. You're off to Wembley. Yep, really pleased. Um, I thought, to be honest, you know, the, the two games, obviously, as a whole, we, we deserved it. Was it all part of the plan? Because you seem to have saved yourself for tonight. Of course not. <laughs> we, want to win, we want to try and win both games. That we played well in the first half up there, then they had their moments. They had their moments because they got 40 odd thousand people at the stadium light and they got some really good players. So we probably got a bit of criticism, second half performance, but they're good as well. We've got to remember there's another good team there. Um, we could have been better, of course, but they're going to have a spell. They won the game, but we limited them to very um, little chances there, and then tonight I thought we were exceptional. You were right on it, weren't you? It was, it was a, a proper Luton Town performance. Yeah, it was. It was everything that we want to be. Um, we've got to try and stick to our plan, stick to what we're good at. And um, yeah, we did that tonight. Really proud of the players. Um, so pleased for the supporters and, um, and everyone connected to the club. It's, uh, it's been a long, long time, if ever, that we've won an EFL playoff game. Um, and to do it, to come from behind, to do it here in front of our supporters is really special. Got an early goal, that obviously helps, doesn't it? And then you push on from them. Yeah, um, yeah we started fast and... Uh, we knew where our strengths lay and where they may, might be lacking a little bit and we took advantage of that. So, um, you know, it was, it was some, we scored a good, couple of good goals, but, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, we, we could have had a lot more as well. I think that was really obvious. A few cleared off the line, open goal missed towards the end. You know, we, it was a really strong performance. You, you know, you did a job on them. You did what Luton have done to so many teams this season and you, you, you're so strong like that. Yeah, about doing a job on them. It's about us being good. It's not about us doing a job on Sunderland. I think, you know, we we we, we deserved to win the game. We were a better team. We had way more chances, way more pressure. The lads worked the socks off. We know what they've got. Really good individual players that can take three people out of the game at any stage. But we limit them to shots from distance. One shave, one save that Ethan had in the whole 94 minutes plus. Um, 
I think that shows you how well we played on the night. Mm. It was 2 0. It could easily have been 4, couldn't it? You missed a. You yeah, know. It, probably, it, may, it could have been some good defending from them, you know, and again, a lot's been made of the physicality thing. They've got physical players, they're just small, uh, you know, but physically they're good, they're quick, they're strong, they fight, they defended really, really well, um, cleared a few things off the line. Uh, but yeah, it could have been more. It could have been more. How good were that crowd tonight? Yeah, they were great. We knew they would be, and we needed them. Um, they got the atmosphere going before kickoff, and when the staff came in after the warm-up, said it was really, really good. The atmosphere. I'm just really pleased that we could repay them with a, a good performance. Was there always that belief? Has there always been that belief that you would do it over the two legs? Yeah, I mean, God, if we didn't believe after being two-one down and being right in the game, then what's the point? Of course, we believe. We believe from day one that we can achieve something. Now we've got one more game to go to, to try and do it. So I'm not getting carried away here. I'm, I'm really proud. It's a great night. It's, you know, it's, I want everyone to enjoy it and enjoy the moment and celebrate winning the semi-final. We're going to go and have a day at Wembley, which will be special. But um, we've always believed the, this, this group of players is special. And you know, they've, look where they finished. They've, they've finished third in the league. They've, you know, they've been in the top six over the last two seasons now they're good they're good players and people need to give them credit and they fight so hard for each other there's such a spirit there and we know what we're going to come up against two very very good teams whoever it is real talent um, so it'll be real hard again really hard but we've shown in the big games we can turn up so you half celebrate tonight and then you you, you look forward to the because it's not done is it you want to win you want to go up yeah, of course we do <laughs> you get to the final you want to <laughs> win you want to go up of course you do you know, one game away from the Premier League, it sounds special, it sounds surreal saying it, but we are, it's a fact, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy. Will you, will you go to the game tomorrow night, or will you just yeah, watch I'll it? Go. Yeah, I'll go, yeah. I suppose it's a silly question to ask who, out of the two, because... Don't ask me that, Jeff. it's mental. I yeah. mean, we've got, you know, there's two really good teams, and um, both had very good seasons, both got really good individual players and whoever it is, that's what we'll have to take. It's the same as with Sunderland, whoever, we knew whoever we were going to have out of the five teams on that last day was going to be difficult. We've had to deal with Sunderland, who I think, on, I think and, and also we've had to deal with Sunderland, which probably, considering we actually finished top out of everyone else in the playoffs in the whole EFL, it's no one's fault because we played Sunderland, but we've had to travel up there by coach. Um, we've had the quickest turnaround because League One, League Two have a lot more time. We have to, we've had to go up to Sunderland on the coach, back again to play the two games. You know, I think they, they, they came down by, um, by plane, I think, yesterday. And, and uh, I think it shows that, you know, again, the staff, the work they put in to recover and try and show that energy tonight after, um, after already going up to Sunderland and back. Again, you know, that people may, might not think about that, but there's a lot of planning and a lot of stuff that's gone into it. The players have been really professional. Um, it's a big, big effort. Mm. And the energy put in by those players as well made some late substitutions, but they all put in a huge shift, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And, and, it, and it takes everyone. And, and, and they're, all, they're all delighted for each other in there. We brought Alan Campbell on. We weren't able to make too many subs tonight. We didn't think loads needed changing. Everyone was in the game. But... Um, yeah, they're all, they're all one, they've all got a common goal now, we all want to try and achieve something together. What happens now then with the players? They get what, a day off, a couple of days off and yeah. then straight back on it? Have a couple of days and then back in Friday and Saturday and then a normal week lead up to, to Wembley, which is uh, really exciting. And then you've got the massive build-up to Wembley, I mean that's going to be huge, isn't it? Yep, yeah, but we look forward to it, we're in, the game to, we're, in, we're in this game for big moments and big games, that's what we're here for. You know, we've, we've enjoyed this occasion tonight. I think hopefully I'll be able to reflect when I'm driving home and, and look back and think, well, that was really special. And we've been able to bring a lot of pleasure to, to our supporters. 
and seeing the lads' faces then at the end, they, you know, that makes me happy. Um, but then we want to we want to go further. Just a final one from me. Just how proud are you of these players and your staff and the, and the club? Extremely. Um, they, again, I've, I've said it from day one. They've first of all the lads. They've worked so hard, and, and I'd like to think that we've given them everything, and we have shown a lot of belief in them, and they've repaid that and some. Um, you know, and the supporters, uh, they deserve this. They've been through some really dark times. And um, as I say, to win a semi-final and get to Wembley is really special. And I know we're going to go there in big, big numbers. And, um, and hopefully we can celebrate again. Tony, not to be our night, but a season where you can reflect and look back on it with pride and this achievement. I think overall, I think tonight we couldn't really get them off our backs. It's a tight environment. They're Crowd. I mean, it's you literally got one yard on the touchline, and you're in the crowd. It's uh, it's it's pretty intimidating for the players. I think um, we just struggle to get them off our back. They play very very direct. They were two huge centre forwards. They booted up there, you know, and just push right in behind it. Lots of bodies. It's it's hard to to, to release the pressure really. Um, yeah, and listen. So you have to give them credit. This is, they they play to their strengths. It's it's not how we would ever want to play, but um, they've and they finished third in the league, so it's not we're not the only team who suffered. There lots of teams have suffered here by by what they bring and what they do. Um, so congratulations to them. Pride, proud over the whole piece of the team, how, how, how well they've done. I think in light of of some pretty key footballers missing in, in this football team, you know, not just the centre forward who can score goals quite freely but uh, I mean, obviously the captain as well who plays in the middle of the pitch and brings a level of control to the younger players and then obviously at this moment we're missing three six foot three centre halves that would have helped us tonight immensely but um, we have to say this I'm proud of the players proud of the supporters who travelled everywhere with us and proud of the proud of the city of Sunderland really who, who turn on and support their football team immensely and we have to try and keep getting better and growing as a football club now so that they, they believe somewhere along the line that this club can get promoted to the Premier League. And this team, is, is, it's come such a long way in such a short space of time and that can only board well as we you know switch gears to next season. Yeah, but listen, the frustration is that this team's not going to be this team. There's no Diallo next season. There's, uh, there's no Geldart. Um, decisions to be made on Michu. It's... Um, you know, so the team changes, but the players that we've got that are our players, we have to keep growing them and making them better and more confident. And um, we have to add to them. We have to find another player who can do what Diallo's done this year, add goals and craft and quality, um, and keep growing the club so that the fans can believe or dare to believe to to think that we can get promotion because the league's going to be tough next year. Southampton already down. You know, it could be. Leicester or Everton or Leeds United who are going to come down really, really strong coming up from League One, Ipswich Town and, and Plymouth, both Ipswich particularly 30,000 crowds and, and good players, good coach um, it's the team, the league's going to that's without mentioning West Brom and Norwich and, and all of these teams, Middlesbrough potentially or Luton, whoever, Coventry um, it's a tough league and we have to keep growing and getting stronger and uh, so hopefully recruitment's good in, in the summer and the team is... Um, the team is ready for pre-season in, in five or six weeks and we um, we can have another go. And just finally, you mentioned that the City of Sunderland can be proud of what's happened this season. Um, it really feels like there's some enthusiasm 
behind the players at the minute and that again carry that into next season we have to and listen, we're all disappointed today it's very flat in there you know we it was we knew what was coming we knew we knew how they were going to play we and yet you know a, a ricochet out for a corner kick and it's in your net it's one nil and um they were only going to score from set players corners and we talked long and hard about trying to deny them opportunities to put the ball in our box because when a, when a big aggressive centre half or centre forward attacks the ball area that's flashing into your box at night it's really hard for a you know for a full back or a midfield player to actually get across him and jump above him and get it out it's uh, whereas you know if Ballard Bath you know at least he came on but um Sirkin, you know these players can head the ball out for us, and um, yeah, tonight it was it was it just caught up with us really a little bit. And I still always believe we're going to score. We didn't score. We didn't really have clear cut chances. The boys in the dressing room were fuming that there was a penalty and ball, a clear on ball. They all thought I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But um, um, it doesn't matter now. It's it's done. Season's finished. We have to um, brush ourselves down. We have to rest up and get ready to go again. An amazing start there for Luton, but who will join them at Wembley next week? Well, it finished Middlesbrough nil, Coventry City won. Coventry City found a way past Middlesbrough in an attritional semi-final second leg to reach the Championship playoff final and keep alive the Skyhoot Blues' hopes of a Premier League return. Of course, they will face Luton Town in a showpiece decider at Wembley on Saturday the 27th of May. After 147 goalless minutes across both games and a tension-gripped tie, low on moments of genuine quality, playmaker Gustavo Hamer delivered an outstanding finish to ultimately settle the contest. After Borough gave possession away on halfway, Victor Gurkarez towed the ball into space beyond goalkeeper Zach Steffen on the edge of the box and Hamer took control to arc his shot into the roof of the net with precision. He almost conjured up a second with a blistering free kick which smacked the angle of post and bar with Stefan well beaten. That chance and the subsequent desperation seemed to rally Middlesbrough who saw Riley McGree's shot blocked in the box as they chased an equaliser while McGree cut back for Cameron Archer but he could not bring the ball down and get a clean shot away either. Substitute Matt Crooks had the ball in the net and Middlesbrough fans on their feet with two minutes to go but an offside flag brought their celebrations to a halt. Eight minutes of added time again prompted the Borough roar and goalkeeper Ben Wilson had to be alert to tip Isaiah Jones's searching centre over while Archer was offside when he hit the bar with a late effort. Somehow Coventry clung on, keeping their discipline, shape and clean sheet to book their Wembley spot. In a season of comeback stories within the Championship, such as the revival of fellow finalists Luton and Sunderland's first campaign back in the second tier, Mark Robbins' Coventry have caught the imagination for their achievement in first reaching the playoffs and now heading to the final. Robbins, who masterminded their rise from League Two to the second tier and signed a new four-year contract on the eve of the second leg, has now put the team within 90 minutes of a first season at Premier League level since 2000-2001. He's done it with a maelstrom of off-field issues, including uncertainty over their CBS Arena home and takeover delays, both now settled, of course, with a team built that showed shrewd recruitment. Top scorer Gurkarez has been a quiet figure over the two legs, but his goals were key to driving Coventry to their top six finish. While match winner Hamer cost about £1.5 million, but that has been a focal point for Robbins' side with his trickery and passing ability and a priceless goal. 
Stalwarts such as Liam Kelly, a survivor of their League 2 promotion campaign in 2017-18, having remained key components while veteran setter and a half, Carl McFadsian's experience proved vital amid the tension. Like so many championship sides, Coventry have turned to top-flight loanees such as Callum O'Doyle, Brooke Norton-Cuffey and Josh Wilson-Esbrand, and they will also have one further game to showcase their talents before returning to their parent clubs. Given both Middlesbrough and Coventry were in the bottom three in October, the fact that they both made it to this stage of the season shows the remarkable job done by Michael Carrick on Teesside, as well as by Robbins in the Midlands. Unlike Coventry's show of faith, Borough's achievement was down to a timely change as Carrick replaced Chris Wilder in October after they had won only two of their opening 11. Despite being a relative novice as a manager, Carrick's impact was immediate, winning 16 of his first 23 games in charge to lift the Teesiders up the league table. Tuba Akpom finished as the championship top scorer with 28 goals, while the lone signings of Cameron Archer and Aaron Ramsey, no not that one, from Aston Villa, added a different dimension to the attack and further goals to lighten the load. However, despite a fantastic home record which only saw three defeats at the Riverside all season, they were unable to avoid that fate against the Sky Blues. Carrick's future looks bright, with young talents such as Hayden Hackney and Riley McGree in his squad, but whether he can re-sign key loanees such as Ryan Giles, Archer and goalkeeper Stefan could have a say on how they respond next season. I think, I think I've mentioned my love for Ryan Giles quite a lot this season really, but he has been absolutely instrumental in how Middlesbrough have played throughout the entirety of this season. If he isn't in the Wolves squad next year, something has gone badly wrong. With that then, let's have a double interview, both of them from the winning team of Coventry. First, manager Mark Robbins, followed by leading centre-back Luke McNally. Mark, you must be on an absolute high right now. Um, wow. Wow, that was the longest hour and a half, hour and 45, two hours of my life. It was unbelievable, the effort that they put in. The quality that they've shown at times in the game against a really, really top opponent. Is phenomenal, and to get to a Wembley final again, the third one since I've come back in, is just incredible. Everybody deserves it. The work that's gone into it this year, the work that's gone into it tonight, is phenomenal, and it's just you know they've got the just rewards really. But I would say we've got to go to Wembley and win. And that's what you're going to do, isn't it? That's the uh, that's absolutely the aim. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. Gus Hamer again coming up with the goods at the Riverside. It's an incredible goal as well, you know, uh, Victor's gone through, I mean, he's, he, Victor could have had a couple of goals tonight, he's run, he's run his socks off, you know, this, this sort of breather now, we're going to have a couple of days off, but, you know, they need to get a breather now because they need to regroup and be ready for the, uh, be ready for this final, but, um, first, first one, first few minutes gone round the goalkeeper, just the keeper's got his hand to it and, and he just ran away from him. There's one in the second half where he, he, he could have again gone a little bit more luck, I suppose. Uh, they've marshalled him really well over the three games. Um, but the fact that Gus was there to pick up the, the, the slack, you know, he's got, this, he's, he's got in, in front of the goalkeeper for the third one and he's got inside and then Gus has picked it up and done the rest and, and that is a difficult skill but he does it every day in training. So it's no surprise when he picks it up that he's cut inside and put it in the top corner and um, that just gave us a little bit of a, a breather but dragged them onto us. I mean the noise inside the stadium was absolutely phenomenal um, but it was our support that we heard at the end, it was, it was just an incredible evening. Yeah I can't compare. Um... Even my voice is gone, like just the celebrations there and us and you just I had a feeling today we were just gonna win. Sometimes you get them feelings in football and you won't say when you think you're gonna lose a game, but 
I just had a feeling today we were going to win. I think everyone else did, and the atmosphere was good. And yeah, people wrote us off, but I think to be fair, we we just went and, and played our own game. And and yeah, we're, we're so happy, so happy. You certainly done your bit. You said you're losing your voice. You're pretty stiff and yeah. uh, achy at the minute, having you know played for those uh, 98 minutes. Mm. But your smile's there. Yeah, yeah, it was all worth it. Yeah, I probably don't smile enough when I'm on the pitch and that, but oh, I couldn't stop today smiling. Like, just so happy to. They deserve it. Like, they, they work so hard, and the talent some of these guys have is, is mad, really. And um, I'm just couldn't be happier for everyone. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. <sighs> Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. At AJ Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. So, we have a championship final. Let's move on to League One. And really, one final review before we take a look at the other fixtures taking place over the course of the weekend. And my word, what a game! The game finished Sheffield Wednesday 5, Peterborough 1. Sheffield Wednesday pulled off the greatest playoff comeback in English Football League history to beat Peterborough United on penalties on an unforgettable night in South Yorkshire. Substitute Jack Hunt scored the all-important fifth penalty as the Owls, who of course had trained 4-0 from the first leg, secured their place at Wembley in the League One playoff final. Wednesday made the perfect start when Michael Smith slotted home a penalty in the opening 10 minutes to give the home fans renewed hope after a miracle could be on the cards before Lee Gregory tapped in to make it 2-0 after only 25 minutes. The home side continued to pour forward after the break and Rhys James got the third with a close-range finish before Liam Palmer scrambled home with the last kick at the 90 minutes to spark absolute pandemonium. A shell-shocked Peterborough had scarcely got out of their own half in the second half of normal time, but Gregory deflected a Nathan Thompson header into his own net in extra time to put the visitors back in front on aggregate, only for Callum Patterson to pack home at the second attempt to send the tie to penalties. Dan Butler's effort hit the crossbar and went over while each other, uh, while every other penalty was scored in a shootout befitting the 20, 120 minutes which had preceded it. Prior to this tie, no team had overcome more than a two-goal first league deficit in the EFL playoffs to reach the final. Of course, I think we can all name one team that had turned a two-goal deficit around in the playoffs in League One, in fact, just over 15 years ago. Wednesday, who were the first team in EFL history to win 96 points and not go up automatically, will now face either Bolton or Barnsley at Wembley on Monday the 29th of May. The Owls, who finished 19 points and three places above Peterborough, had left themselves with a seemingly insurmountable mountain to climb after Friday's 4-0 thumping in Cambridgeshire. 
Moore said before the game his team just had to focus on winning and see what happens, but surely he could never have envisaged what would unfold. In front of a raucous crowd, Marvin Johnson was clattered to the ground on the edge of the penalty area by Joe Ward, and Smith confidently rolled home his spot kick. Posh were rocked, but still came close to a leveller on the night when Kwame Poku showed good feet before drilling a low shot at goal that Cameron Dawson got down well to. Dawson's counterpart, Will Norris, then flapped up at the ball into the middle and Patterson's blasted cross shot was converted by Gregory to increase the noise inside the ground even more, a ground that was described as a cauldron on multiple occasions on Sky Sports. The away side went into a huddle as they sought to regain some composure in the aftermath of the goal's second, and Ephraim mason Clark tested Dawson once more before Joe Ward saw a shot blocked, but it was Wednesday who had wrestled control of the play once more by the time the whistle was blown on an utterly frantic first half. They picked up where they left off in the second half, and Norris made a superb diving save to keep out a spectacular overhead kick from Gregory, and then denied Josh Windass with a more routine stop. Wednesday continued to pull forward in search of a third, and 29-goal posh striker Johnson Clark-Harris was frequently left to fill in as an extra centre-back as the visitors' defending came ever more desperate. It was just a matter of time until the pressure told, and James struck from six yards after Gregory cleverly dummied a through ball. Moore brought on centre-back Aidan Flint to play up front for the final few minutes of time added on, and it proved crucial as the defender headed down a deep cross for Liam Palmer to smuggle over the line for Wednesday. Peterborough had not had a shot for the whole of the second half, but retook the lead on aggregate when Gregory unfortunately deflected in Thompson's header from a Butler free kick, just before half-time in extra time. Wednesday did not give in though, and after Patterson popped up with another leveller, Smith, Will Vokes, Barry Bannon, Josh Windass and finally Jack Hunt scored from the spot to spark wild celebrations as home fans raced onto the pitch. Peterborough were unfortunately the full guys in this unreal night for Sheffield Wednesday. Boss Darren Ferguson, of course in his fourth spell with the club, had looked set to lead them to Wembley and the possibility of his fifth promotion with the club. Scott returned in January after Grant McCann's departure and led the team into the playoffs at the expense of Derby, who lost at Hillsborough, courtesy to a final day win at Barnsley. His contract with the club is now up and he said things were too raw for him to think about next season. Ferguson also said the referee's decision to play eight minutes of time added on at the end, having signalled a minimum of six, was not right. To lose a game and a semi-final in the matter that we did is very rough. It's a cruel game at times, he told Sky Sports. I have to congratulate Sheffield Wednesday, Darren and his team. I wish them all the best in the final. No two games are the same. We knew this was a very rare place in League One in terms of momentum that the place can really give you. We made some wrong decisions, and then obviously in the last minute of the game, you don't want to be sounding bitter, because I don't, but there's six minutes added on, and we play eight. It's not right, but congratulations to Sheffield Wednesday. He added, we don't know what the future holds, it's not the right time to answer that. I've got a lot of players in there that are very sore. The young ones are going to have to remember this, because it's a sore night. So rather than focus on, of course, the sheer disappointment for Peterborough United fans, let's listen to the pandemonium that took place in Sheffield Wednesday. First, we will hear from captain and uh, club favourite Barry Bannon talking about how proud he is of the achievements of the side tonight. And then a little bit different for you. This this uh, clip was taken inside the Sheffield Wednesday changing rooms and it was what was directly told to the players by Darren Moore at full time. An amazing listen and well worth sticking at the end of this programme. The best day of my life. Uh, it was just amazing. Um, 
I'm just so happy for the manager um, for all the um, abuse he's took in the build-up. We wanted to repay him um, because, like, like I said, he's done brilliantly turning the squad around this week and believing because I believed personally, but I knew a few boys in there weren't sure because they've never been here before. And to be honest, 4 0 is massive. Like, you can see why some didn't believe, but the gaffer, Tom Bates, who we've had in the psychologist, um, they've showed us things this week and turned their whole mindset around and we went, actually went out there I know this will sound as if I'm, I'm just making it up but we went out there tonight believing we were going to win we spoke about it the last few days as players saying we're going to win we're going to win and it was amazing Your mentality was no doubt boosted by that support tonight Hi guys Come on, brother. He's one of our own He's on, one of our own Yeah your support was no doubt boosted by that so your, your mentality was not that boosted by that support tonight. It was just incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, we want to thank them, obviously. We needed them, we called on them. Um, I know the gaffer made a rallying call yesterday. Um, we needed them tonight more than anything. And I went round before the game started trying to get them going. It didn't take a lot, obviously. They were right to, to hit us the way they have the last week or so because it was disappointing. 4-0 um, loss. But, like I said a few weeks ago, when we were on them run of uh, losses, just stick together, because when you stick together and you're all pulling in the right direction, that's what happens. So, I'm so glad that they came out in the numbers tonight and cheered us on, and I want to thank them on behalf of the team, because um, they were brilliant, we couldn't have done it without them. Tell us what's going through your mind when Peter get that goal back, because you've got to sort of start all over again, that mentality, you've got, to, you've got to rebuild it, haven't you? There was no doubt, because... See, when you come back from 4-0 down to 4 each and they score, right, we scored four already, you can score again. There was no doubt at all that we were going to score again. Um, so we'd done the hard part. We knew that it's a bit of adversity, but it shows you the, like, the togetherness in that changing room. People were dying out there tonight. I said, like... Um, just, I've told everybody every week, all, all week, I've had doubters texting me, um, mates, family members, you can't do it, but I've put them to the side and I've just been focused on the people who believe that we could and I've kept speaking to them. Um, and like you said, I was never, I, I wasn't coming off that pitch tonight, you would have had to have dug a, a hole in the ground for me, I was coming off that pitch tonight, dying for the, the win. And I said that to the boys, I said, We've got nothing to lose, but what he's need to guarantee tonight is we've worked so hard to get 96 points this season. We've worked so hard to go up. You don't go out in a whimper tonight. You die for this club tonight out on that pitch and you give everything. And I think you can see that tonight that I've never seen it before in my life. Some of the box and people running back. and It was just an unbelievable commitment, but that's what it takes to win games, especially when you've disappointed in the first leg. So that's... It shouldn't have been like that tonight, it shouldn't have had to have been like that, but it was and we've done it. You've had some special nights at this club, where, where does that rank? Number one, um, definitely number one in my whole career. Because um, it's just pleasing that all the doubters who have been kicking us from pillar to post in the last six, seven days, it just it just shuts them up because um, we've had a lot a lot of bad things the gaffer players individuals and it's not rightly so because 
there's another leg to play and we've turned it round so that that abuse that we've received it's a bit silly really um, so I'm just so glad for that bunch of boys in there they deserve it <clears throat> it's so unlucky not to go up automatically um, with 96 points you've got to take your hats off to the two teams who finished above us but then to gather yourself after that disappointment and come into the playoffs and then lose 4-0 it's unbelievable what they've done tonight and um, I'm just so proud to be the leader of that group and just finally a trip to Wembley to look, to look forward to now you know what our fans were like last time we were at Wembley I bet you can't wait that was the that was the best night of my life, but Wembley was the, the worst best night because we lost, but that occasion was amazing. And I told them if they get there, they, they, won't, they won't believe what they'll see um, because that day leading up to the game was amazing. Um, like I said, we'll enjoy these next day or two. <clears throat> um, you've got to enjoy these because they don't come around often, so when they do happen, you've got to enjoy them. We'll watch the game tomorrow, um, maybe drunk um, but we will watch it and then I think we're back in Sunday or something uh, according to our schedule and that's when we'll start gearing toward we'll know who we're playing then we'll start gearing towards finding a game plan to beat them but um, we've got to enjoy the next two days um, we are loved ones um, and uh, together as a team as well because like I said these don't happen much in football but it's a big we're only we're only um, we're only in the final we can't get too carried away we've got a big a big game coming up, um, crucial game for this club. So it's job half done, but like I said, everyone wrote us off, so we've got to enjoy it. Quiet, quiet lads, listen. Come on, boys. Fellas, listen. I'm absolutely just so proud of every single one of you. We had a bit of adversity in the first game and we knew we didn't, we didn't perform. <laughs> to but listen lads, it just goes to show you what preparation does. We've prepared all week, the mindset, mentality, and in training. And I'm going to say this here, the belief has been there from day yes. up. And I, and I can't uh, commend you all enough in terms of what you just produced out there. It's absolutely incredible. And you really deserve it. I'm absolutely delighted with what we've had to come through this season. But listen, boys, we've got one more. <laughs> we've got one more, yeah. OK? Yeah. So enjoy tonight, but we've got one more, but I'm so proud. performance really really excited there and for someone who used to live in Sheffield I must admit I'm really quite pleased and how things went for those in blue and white so we know that uh, Sheffield Wednesday will be going to Wembley in uh, a few days time but we don't know who they're going to be playing against that's because at the same time this program is going out we will be seeing the second leg of the uh, second playoff semi-final there we are lots of seconds there between Bolton and Barnsley. Of course, both teams going in uh, with equal chances of turning this around, with of course it's only a 1 1 at the moment. Kickoff 8 o'clock on Friday, so we will be covering that back on Monday to really delve into what's happened there. 
but don't just take my word and how I think the game's going to go. Let's listen from Bolton Wanderers boss, Ian Evert. Well, Ian, about to start the second half. It's all square. Are your thoughts the same as they were immediately after the game on Saturday? We're still in a good place. Look, I watched the game back a couple of times. Um, and yeah, very much the same thoughts as I had post-game. I think the first 10, 15 minutes, we had some opportunities, um, mostly from set plays. And then they came into it. Um, we caused our own problems, really, some transitional moments and didn't defend a couple of the, the set plays well enough. And we didn't test their press enough for me. They were able to dictate to us rather than the other way around. Uh, weren't brave enough in possession. And, and yeah, we looked at things at, at half-time, managed to tweak one or two things, and the second half was better, especially, especially after their goal. Um, we came into it a lot more. I think it's still a very even game. I think two evenly matched teams, um, a very well-coached, organised team in Barnsley, and, and I know that we have more to give. I think Michael said after the game that he was delighted with their performance. Um, I really wasn't from ours, and I think there's more to come, and if we can get to those levels, we have a good chance of winning. What we do know is it's a, I would say, 90-minute game. It may go longer than that, but it's level pegging. It's a one-off. It's a proper semi-final now almost, isn't it? A knock knockout football. Yeah, it's just one game really. Um, one game of football which will hopefully give us the chance of, of one more to get to where we want to get to. Um, yeah, it's come down to this. It was always going to be that way after Saturday. Um, but even before Saturday, you can't win or lose in the first leg. Um, probably some, some supporters, other supporters from Yorkshire will disagree with that. But... But we're in a good position. It's level, the tie's level. Um, as I said, both teams will fancy their chances in their own way, in their own right. And, yeah, may the best team win. And you still go into it with the momentum. It's important to remember we didn't lose the game last week. As you said, there were, after the game, there were different views of it. But you fought back, you drew 1-1. You yeah. go there on the back of good momentum and good away form. Again, like, people will perceive you know, a good performance in different ways. That It's really subjective. You know, if you want to see loads of shots on target, regardless if they're from outside the area or not, then you'll perceive that, that Barnsley were the best on the day. But if you looked at our possession stats and how we managed the ball and, and really limited them to, to very few chances from open play, um, the chances they created were from transitional moments or set plays, then then you'll think we did okay as well. We know there's more to come. I know there's more to come from the group and, and hopefully we can get to those levels on Friday. A fifth meeting this season has been an awful lot. A very good away win at Barnsley at the turn of the year. Does that help? I think mentally probably it does, that we've been there and, and won before. Um, obviously the crowd won't be as, as as high for us this time around. The least said about that, the better. Um, but no, look, we're, as I said, we're focused on trying to replicate what we did there in January. Obviously, there was a sending off in that game, so that slightly helped us. But before that, I thought we were on top and looked the most likely. And yeah, we're looking forward to the game and, and fingers crossed we can win one more to get us through to that, that big final. Yeah, it's a huge occasion and then watching the telly of the Sunderland-Luton game that sort of reaches climax last week. There's so much riding on it, the crowd are massive. Is it that almost how you handle the occasion as well because yeah. you can't get away from the fact there's a lot riding on it. Huge amounts riding on it and again, you know, they will feel that they've got the advantage because they are at home and they've got the home comforts, the home crowd. Um, but our away record recently has been pretty good. I think we're a dangerous team away from home. So, as I said, I still think it's pretty much a 50-50 game and just concentrate on our own performance levels and trying to get to where we know we can get to. It could be 90 minutes, it could be a bit longer. 
extra time penalties, presumably you will have that in mind and you'll be well prepared should that scenario come along? Yeah, you have to prepare. Um, people say that you can't replicate the same pressure or the same environment, um, but you can replicate good muscle memory and good technique and practicing that um, means you improve it and we've done lots of practice, the players you know, we know who we want to take the penalties and what that looks like, fingers crossed it has, don't have to go that far but what will be will be and as I said there's two very evenly matched teams and I wouldn't be surprised to see it go all the way. It's the other thing, you've got to sort of thrive and embrace the challenge and I'm sure the players will because you put a season's work into this and you've got yourselves within 90 minutes of, of, of possibly another Wembley appearance and another chance to win promotion, you know, this is what you wanted. It's exactly why we, we work so hard throughout the course of the year. Um, it's been a long way, a long road, but we've got here. Uh, we're still in it after the first leg. The scores are still level. And, yeah, we have to win one football match to get to our next target, which is going to the final at Wembley. But we know it's going to be really tough. But providing we can show the best version of ourselves, we're pretty confident we can get the right one. And do you sense the players are excited and looking forward to it? Yeah, I do. I do. I, th I think they are excited. I think there was an air of frustration after Saturday that we didn't perform to our level. Um, obviously, they feel that they did, which is which is great, but the scores are still level and we know there's more to come. So, fingers crossed we can get to those levels on Friday and, and give them a good game. And how is everybody physically? Great. Yeah, we've we've got one or two missing. I'm not really going to go into that, that we're injured in the game on, on Saturday, but the squad's there and squad depth for a reason and we'll have to utilise that and make sure that we're ready. It's a great atmosphere on Saturday here. The noise was tremendous, wasn't it? It'll flip slightly there, but we will still have 2,000 there, and I know the supporters, again, will mm. have a role to play. 100%. Um, you know, th those of them that are lucky enough to have tickets and get tickets, hopefully we can replicate the performance there on, on January. And if we, in January, sorry, and if we can, then it'd be great. It'd be a great night for all. Certainly an extremely tense affair that we will see in League One tonight. And I think either team stand a really good chance of taking on Sheffield Wednesday. I think both of them have beaten them at some point in the regular season. as have, But I think Sheffield Wednesday have also done one on them as well. So a very, very exciting set of events. So let's look at League Two just for the last 15 minutes to take a look at the, two, uh, the four teams that could be joining the League One and Championship teams at Wembley next week. We will start with Stockport County versus Salford City. Now, of course, this was a uh, currently one Salford City are 1-0 up on aggregate having won at the Peninsula. They have to go to Edgeley Park at half past 12 on Saturday in another Greater Manchester Derby. If I remember rightly, last time that these two played at Edgeley Park, it was a really, really tense affair. So we'll be really excited to see how things go here. Stockport blighted by injuries, of course, losing a lot of their goal-scoring power, the likes of Miles Hippolyte and Paddy Madden, of course, well-known for their goal-scoring premise in green and white uh, many years ago, but have also been instrumental as uh, a part of the leading line for the Hatters. Whether they can get everyone back fit is another matter, but will be really exciting for them to get across. The other game that's taking place in League Two this weekend is something that I personally am really excited about, mainly because I'll be there. And that is Carlisle United versus Bradford City. Bradford City took a 1-0 lead uh, on Tuesday night, or oh, I think it was Monday night, sorry, uh, to talk about how Bradford had uh, to go in with a, in the driving seat as they travelled to the Scottish border to take on Carlisle United. Carlisle have looked really good over the course of this season, and and will be still providing a really really difficult uh, a really difficult test for Bradford to take on here. 
The teams most recently met, of course, on Sunday in the first leg of the playoff semi-final, which Bradford won 1-0, as we've already said, but Jamie Walker scoring the only goal of the game. In the league this season, the sides played out a 0-0 draw at Valley Parade, while Carlisle won 1-0 at Brunton Park on Boxing Day, thanks to a certain Paul Huntingdon header. Bradford haven't won at Brunton Park since 1985, but with the frontman Andy Cook bagging 28 goals this season, he's obviously the player to watch ahead of Saturday's game. Where are the stage where it's now a straight knockout with a Wednesday final and promotion to League One, of course, the ultimate prize. Really exciting one there. In terms of a little bit, few more facts for you now. Uh, over the course of the many years that Bradford will have taken on Carlisle, it is a total of 23 wins for Bradford, 20 wins for Carlisle and 15 draws. A draw or a Bradford win, of course, won't be good enough for Carlisle, but will be enough for the Bantams to get through. A really exciting tense fair there. And another one for me personally that I'll be attending, mainly because it's an excuse to go ground hopping and I don't live too far away from it. Still two and a half hours, definitely worth it because the... Uh, playoffs are always really exciting. The referee for this game will be Simon Mather, who has dished out a whopping 138 yellow cards from 33 games this season. Nice to know it will be a nice tense match for me to be watching. So, final interview of tonight, let's listen to Carlisle United boss Paul Simpson. Paul, picking up where we left off the other day, within the second half, there must be a lot of confidence taken from that. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, we knew it was going to be a tough game. We were going against Bradford City at their place in front of 20,000 fans, so we knew it was going to be tough. But I thought the way we went about it, um, and again, without going over all ground, there was a nervous start, all of that sort of stuff, which again is to be expected. I thought the players showed real character, um, showed a good level of performance, a good level of energy, and we now know we need to win the game on Saturday. It's as simple as that. And, and the fact of it is... That hasn't really changed because we knew we were going to have to win it anyway. So we've just got to go ahead and, and do what we can. Really looking forward to it. I mean, I'm hearing all noises about what sort of crowd it's going to be and what the, the support's got, how, how everybody's feeling. Training's gone really well. It's a brilliant occasion to look forward to. And I always say that you enjoy it much more when you win. We started with Luton last night. People might have written them off, but when you've got that that crowd behind you, that noise level, it, it just adds something. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, you look through the history of playoffs, and the first leg's always a little bit tentative. You know, I know we had a a, a different type of game with Peterborough Sheffield Wednesday the, on the Friday night before our game, but they're always tight. It's the second game that 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 the result matters. That's where it all comes down to. So we're in a game where we're one nil down. With 90 plus minutes to go, so we're confident we've got enough. We know we're going to have to play well. We know we're going to have to do the things that we did at Bradford last Sunday, and we also know we need to do things better than we did at Bradford last Sunday. Now we've seen with occasions like this that you can say whatever you want as the manager. When the boys get out there, it becomes a game of basketball from the first kick. Yeah. It just happens that way. How do we guard against that so that we don't open ourselves up? Well, that's just game management. That's that's something that. You know, as we sit here today, we don't know what's going to happen in the game. We can have, we can have the best laid plans in in the world, and Bradford City can have the best laid plans. We don't know how it's going to go, and I, I just think it's about players. It's about how they, um, how they cope with the emotion of the day, how how they cope with the on the mental side of it, and then if they're able to cope with that side of it, right, that's when they're able to go and execute the skill and the technical levels. That was a massive test the other day because. 
some of them, quite a, a group of them, would not have played in front of a crowd like that with TV cameras everywhere. They handled it. Yeah, they did handle it. Yeah, yeah. Once the once we got over the the sort of the first part of the game and the and the enthusiasm that Bradford started with and the type of football they started with as well, it was a little bit different. You know, everybody wants to label us as a as a quite a direct side, but they were quite direct in the way they went about it, and. I don't think there's anything wrong in that. It's about finding a way to get a result. They went direct, they went up to Cook, they won the second balls, the lad got in behind and, and finished it, so they won't be bothered how it happened. And we've got to find a way this weekend. We have to find a way to, to stamp our mark on the game from the first whistle. Even though we know we don't have to win it within the first five minutes, we've got a long time to do it. We just have to make sure we stay with the game like we did after going a goal down. I thought we showed... Um, a calmness about us in the way that we played. We got the ball down and we passed it and we moved it side to side and we stretched them and got in. The one criticism is that we didn't finish it and that's what we have to do better. Um, going into the Bradford game, we always knew we were going to have to score at some point in that first game or, or over the two legs we knew we were going to have to score. So that hasn't changed. We now know what Bradford are about, they know what we're about and it'll be whoever handles the afternoon better. You've touched on it there. If people call us long ball, then what are they saying? Because five or six occasions we got it down, we got it wide and we got it in during that second half alone. I think it's easy to say that, isn't it? You know, It's easy to call people long ball teams. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a manager to who, who I don't want to take silly risks in my own defensive third. I don't see the point in it. You know, We are not Premier League, Champions League players and you just have to look at the, the games that are on Sky and BT Sport in the Premier League and the Champions League. The top players are giving the ball away in their own final third and conceding goals and the top goalkeepers. So why as League Two players should we take that chance? I think when we get in the middle third, I encourage outside centre-backs to step in and play. I encourage our wing-backs to play. We've got midfielders who are all comfortable on the ball. Forward players are all comfortable. So I'm quite happy if we have two-thirds of the pitch of football and one-third where we're quite direct. And I'll be honest with you, this has been my whole philosophy on my life. I don't actually care what anybody else thinks. It's about what we do and how we get results. That's been my philosophy all the time, and, and I will not change. Um, I want us to play well, however well, whatever well means to somebody else, um, and I want to make sure we do enough to win the game. Have you spoken about the danger of being too deflated should they get the first goal? Because even that wouldn't be a disaster. No, I haven't spoken about anything like that. Um, there's been nothing negative this week. We are preparing for a game in the way that we would always prepare. We will go through the scenarios, the what-if scenarios, or, or I will go through them in my head, and I will have an idea of what changes can be made to affect that. But my planning and my scenario is that we're going to start the game well, we're going to get the first goal and then it's how we then deal with it. So although we prepare for every eventuality or we try to prepare for every eventuality, um, there's no negative thoughts coming into this game. It is positive and we're ready to play. How do you deal with the boys leading up to that, that kick-off on what is such a bit? It's now a knockout game, isn't it? There's no two ways about it. How do you deal with them in terms of preparing them for this? The same way we prepare for every game. We, we are... We are totally focused on this one game. We know, we know what's waiting if we're successful. We know where we can go if we're successful and what an opportunity we have. Um, but it is about this one, so we'll prepare. We'll, we've done bits of work over this week leading into the game. 
um, we're preparing for what, what could come in the game um, and we're just going to have to wait and see how we cope with it and, and what team gets selected because everybody's in with a shout of being involved in it and um, hopefully we're able to, to cope on the day as well as we, we did in the second half last uh, Sunday. You said it before, last Sunday's game, nobody needs an incentive for something like this. Not at all. I mean, if, if you if you want to be involved in high-level sport, high-end of the, of the business, these are the games. You know, we're, we're looking at, if it's not a sellout, it's going to be very close to a sellout, just like it was at Bradford. Two sets of, of supporters who created a brilliant atmosphere last week now we need them to make a really good atmosphere this time. We need the two teams to go on and put on a real good advert for League Two football. And hopefully they're all going to be up for it because this is where everybody wants to be involved. And the biggest incentive, it doesn't matter whether it's Wembley or wherever that game gets played, it's a promotion, it's, it's having that on your CV. Well, that's what, you, that's what we're aiming for. You know, that's what we, we set off at the, at the start of the season before that Crawley game. Everybody has the intentions of being promoted. Whether the realistic intentions or not is irrelevant, but you all start off with that dreamy, dreamy thought in your head. We're at a point now where we could be two games away from it. At the start of the season, we were 46 or maybe 49. Now we have an opportunity over two games to achieve it, and it's a case of just giving everything we've got. If we give 100% and we do the things that we know we're capable of, we think we can cause problems to Bradford. But there isn't any point thinking about it. We have to go and show it on Saturday and what would be a fantastic occasion. Another massive positive is the finishers that, that came on for the game. They all played their part as well. It was it's everybody's up for this. Uh, yeah, of course they are. You know, we we can only select eighteen. There's more there's more than eighteen who are available. But it's up to them, the eleven starters, to go and give us a base and then the lads who get get called upon us uh, off the bench, they've got to come on and make an impact like the boys did last weekend. Um we want even more of an impact. I want a bigger impact from the starters and then can we get an even bigger impact from the finishers. And if that's the case, then I'm quite sure we'll all be smiling at the end. Callum took a heavy fall, a heavy knock. Is he OK? Uh, he's fine. He's trained all week. Um, everybody's been in, involved in training all week, so there's, there's no issues as we stand at the moment going into the game. There is a lot of the lads that were on the periphery that are knocking on the door now, isn't that? That's a great position for you. Yeah, yeah. People like Toby and... Um, Brennan Dickinson have now got another week under the belt and of, of training, so they're a little bit closer again. Um, you know, the other lads who who, are, who have been on the bench or or have travelled, they're all wanting to be involved. JK's back available for the game this weekend, so that we've got some options and we've got some really good options, and it's just a case of picking a group that are able to go and perform. I don't mind repeating this, all four sides are going to be Carlisle fans, that blue that we're, that we're wanting to see, what will that mean? What, what, what a difference will that, that will that make? Well, it's brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. To if we, can, if we can fill our sections, I know that Bradford will fill theirs, I'm quite sure they would have wanted more. Um, we, we've just got to go and give them something to shout about. I think second half and bits of the first half at Bradford, we certainly give our travelling fans something to shout about we need to do it again we need to make them be noisy not uh, you know and again I've, I've said this before I'd, I understand that players have to lift supporters I'm asking them to come and lift us and, and, and do their bit let's have players lifted supporters lifted from that first whistle and see if we can all together get ourselves over the line for another game in, at the end of the month are you the kind of fellow who wishes it was just here now are you, are you just want to get it done or are you okay with the, the build up and everything that comes with it well uh, because the players have worked this week and it's all planned 
I'm just I want it I want it on Saturday I want Saturday to come round um, because it's a great game to look forward to this is this is what this is why I wanted to get back into management to try and have a chance to be involved in that and I know I get stressed on the sideline during the game I understand all of that and I know I'm getting more grey hairs and I know I probably said something that I shouldn't have done at the end of the game last weekend but it's just because I want to be involved in this side of it I loved working at the FA I loved being an assistant but when you're the manager and you've got the whole what's what's the best way to say the, the whole weight of expectation on your shoulders that's a challenge I'm relishing and I'm really looking forward to it Paul good luck I appreciate that one was a bit of a longer interview, but I think it was amazing just how unbelievably open Paul Simpson is. He has been in every other interview that I've uh, had the pleasure of listening to over the course of this season. Really um, so open with what he wants to say and the, the stresses that he has. It isn't just the same lines that come out of the playbook, which you hear from most players or most managers. This is a guy that clearly really cares about his club. And naturally, if you're not going to care during the playoffs, when are you going to care? So... That brings us to the end of tonight's EFL preview. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's, of course, uh, one of our last shows together for the course of this season. You may have seen on Three Valleys that we are going slightly a little bit different. We're going to have a small hiatus over the summer, mainly because there won't be a lot of football for us to talk about. But don't you worry, we'll be back next year with plenty of excitement with the upcoming new season, where we'll have forgotten about all the problems and all the excitement of last season and get just a focus on the excitement of the upcoming one. So I'll be back next week to talk over the three matches that we haven't yet talked about. Of course, the two in League Two and League One and, of course, preview the finals. So I hope you have a lovely weekend. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. and Bye bye.